Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome to Red Inca. I'm Jared Kimber. This episode of Red Inca, we are asking if Sri Lanka can win the World Cup. So we get on an expert on the team. Esther Vasudevan, I'm an editor at thepapare.com. We talk about their recent streak of wins that, of course, followed a lot of losses. Their batting, all-rounders, and whether their bowlers can get enough wickets to win them this tournament. Can Sri Lanka win the World Cup? Honestly, <laughs> you didn't think I was going to ask that straight up, did you? I mean, the obvious answer is no, right? But I mean, I don't know. It's, it <laughs> seems like Sri Lanka is the new Pakistan, right? You don't know what's coming until something like crazy happens. Uh, it's unlikely, isn't it? There's, I will get to the, the full reasons why. But it, it's unlikely. It's, you know, the last four years have not been brilliant one-day cricket. I think they've shown flashes of a lot of talent and we know that there are players there and that this team is kind of accidentally assembling at the right time. But mm. you wouldn't be, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you're not going to put a lot of your uh, hard-earned money on, on, on a victory. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think anyone will be, right? I think if you look at how Sri Lanka has gone over the last few years, there have been kind of those moments where you think, yeah, this this team could really challenge a lot of the other teams. And then you look at who they've played. They haven't been playing some of the top countries over the past couple of months, particularly like at the moment sitting on uh, 11 consecutive wins. But none of them have come against top five mm-hmm. opposition. So um, it, it's very tough, I think, to to say that Sri Lanka will go in and win or be one of the favourites because it's just how things have gone like you don't consider them uh, one of the top teams anymore, right? No, I mean, so I'll just have you look at Odds Checker. So that's the 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 site that looks at all the different markets of of betting. Um, the the shortest uh, price I could see is eighteen to one, um, and the longest price seems to be about thirty three to thirty five to one, right? So, you know, that's there a, a long way back. That the net the next shortest team is New Zealand, who are around. 8 to 10 to 1. Or actually, South Africa and New Zealand are around, uh, you know, 8, 9, 10 to 1, right? So there are, they're, they're at least half as likely to win according to the, the money as, as, any, as anyone else. And in some cases, even three times less likely to win than South Africa and New Zealand. I think that that's maybe a little bit over the top considering the, the talent they have, but people aren't betting on them. There's a reason for that, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think just the way they've gone over the last couple of years doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, does it? Like, I mean, they ended up in the qualifiers. Of course, they were a class apart in that group of teams. But um, that consistency against top teams is not something we've seen um, over the past couple of years. Just, I, I mean, I think a lot of Sri Lankan fans would agree with me when I say that they don't really play modern day uh, limited overs cricket. The bowling attack makes up for mm. a lot of, you know, what what is wrong. You've got you've got genuinely two two to three world class bowlers in that lineup. But in terms of the batting and just just playing the type of cricket that we see from the top nations playing, it it just isn't there on the batting front. Yeah, and and the I think there is a there's a stigma a little bit in playing in the um in the qualifiers that probably. You know, as you said, it, once you hear that, that Sri Lanka has got to that level, you, you kind of understand how far they have struggled over recent times, right? Like, there, there's a reason why that Sri Lanka ended up in those qualifiers. It's, it, was, it wasn't an accident, was it? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, if, if, if there was, like, long-term planning involved, right, I think 2023 would have been the perfect year where Sri Lanka could have, could have you know, set themselves up to at least reach the semifinals of a World Cup because it's be, it's been played in India. Um, maybe conditions won't be as as you know as Asian as we have come to expect in the past. But that 2023 being played in India would have been the perfect opportunity for Sri Lanka. But since 2019, I mean 2019 itself, the World Cup I think was assembled uh, maybe a couple of weeks before with you know guys like Jeevan Mendis, uh, the Sirivardhana making the squad. Um, if at that point they had a long-term plan and they had built towards it, I think Sri Lanka would have been a, been in a different place. But there's a huge like there's a very I would say tendency to really play it safe like if you if you look at some of the selections in the recent past bringing back Dimut Karnaratna uh, one example right he hasn't done much wrong but pairing him with Patum Nisanka and mm. then Kusal Mendes at number three it it really gives you only one way to go about things right uh, there's there's no there's no surprise element in that top order so um, things like that where you know just the the main thing, in my opinion, is that adapt adapting to modern day cricket is just it's been a massive issue. Mm. But but also like so since the last World Cup, um, and I might have written this a couple of days ago, so I'm not sure if the Pelakelli um, game against Bangladesh. Is, oh no no, that was in August, wasn't it? Yeah yeah. So since the last World Cup, um, they have won 16 games and lost uh, 18 against World Cup teams. Right, so that that is against the stronger teams in the world, um, and then they have won eleven and ten in the last two years. But as you said before, um, they I think they won one game and lost eight in what was that from twenty from the middle of twenty two to the start of two thousand and twenty three, and then they won is it eleven in a row after yeah. that? Yeah, right now it's eleven in a row. Two against yeah. Afghanistan and then qualifiers and the last game against Bangladesh. Yeah. So, and, and it should be pointed out that while they have won the, those two games against Afghanistan, they also um, uh, 
struggled in a series against Afghanistan, you know, uh, and lost the game at home against Afghanistan this year, right? So yeah, even when they have played some of the teams who are lower down on that World Cup, you know, level, that it, they haven't been absolutely breathtaking, have they? No, they haven't. That's, I think, a major worry. Um, like the qualifiers too, we had, there were some moments where, you know, you weren't sure about what was going to happen. I think the game against the Netherlands was one where it could have gone either way. So they haven't been, particularly the batting has, has, has not really, I mean, it doesn't, you don't feel that encouraged uh, watching them go, particularly if they've got to chase a big total or there's a half-decent uh, bowling attack from the opposition. All right, batting is what I want to talk to you about. So I did a bit of a, a rankings um, just just for myself. Uh, I'll be doing some World Cup stuff. I've got them as the fourth worst batting team when they're playing against the best teams. And, and I think that was over the last two years. Uh, they averaged 27 runs per wicket. So no, not particularly... It's not like they've got a bunch of anchors batting slow. They're actually getting dismissed at a fairly high rate, right? You want to be you want to be over thirty runs per wicket. Um, you know, thirty two, thirty five is is elite. And they're also though, while while losing wickets, they're also going at five point two runs and over. So there isn't. I, th- I think when when you do look at the batting, there isn't really any massive pluses that you would say. Like if if you're an opposition team coming up against Sri Lanka in a World Cup. That's not to say that one player can't have a great game and can change it, but you probably wouldn't go into that game thinking to yourself that this is a, a top quality batting lineup. Yeah, no, that that's I think the key issue, right? Because it, it's such a it's a game so uh, advantageous to batters, or it goes a lot in batters' favor. If you look at Sri Lanka's lineup, Dimut Karnaratna, Patum Nisanka opening the batting, then you've got Kusal Mendis, who we can admit now, I think. Eight, ten years into his career, that ha- he hasn't lived up to expectations, um, particularly in white ball cricket. He's had a poor year. Sadira Samaravikrama coming back into the side after sitting out for a few years, he's been decent, but again, very similar to to that top three the way in the way that he plays. Charit Asalanka, I think, is the only one who maybe kind of gives you um, something different. Um, and they've got Dananjay De Silva, Dasun Shanaka, Shanaka again, not really done anything in limited overs cricket or in ODI cricket over the past couple of years. So, like you said, I mean, opposition will be looking at getting early wickets and then, you know, keeping the run rate down hasn't been that hard against Sri Lanka over the last two years. Hmm. Well, So I've got the numbers here. So uh, last two years, I think, yeah, these are the last two years stats. Um, Asalanka is averaging 43, which is really good. Uh, strike rate of 87, so just slower than the global average. Uh, Kusal Mendes is averaging 34 with a strike rate of 84, so a little bit lower on runs and a little bit lower on strike rate. And Nasanka is 40-86. That's fine, but we're not really pairing that with someone else at, with a strike rate of 110. There's no Joss Butler to back yeah. any of that up, yeah. right? There, there's no Hardik Pandya or, or Ravi Jadeja or anything else. And so the spine then is what you have is three guys who are good scorers, not great scorers, but good scorers, who are all slightly slower than the global average. Um, and and so it's hard to see how that is going to break out and be anything more special. Um, you know, you, you, was it who was it who has had the good World Cup in the T20? 
which it was was it Nisanka uh, that made runs? I, I can't remember. Mendes and Nisanka both made runs. Yeah, and so so you look at that, and and again, you know, I know that's a slightly different format and everything else, but you look at that tournament, and you and I I don't think anyone was looking at it going, well, this is a team that can score more runs mm -hmm. than we can score, right? There's no way you're going to blow the, the, the barn doors off with anyone. Having said that, the one difference I would say now is that it's a pretty consistent batting lineup, right? You're probably not going to get bowled out for 200 very, very much um, anymore. Uh, and so, you know, you if, if you were a coach, Estelle, you would take the positives from that? Yeah, I think that's what's happened. Like, I, I was mentioning about, you know, playing it safe. Someone like Dimut Kaunaratna, who wouldn't, you wouldn't expect to do that well in limited overs cricket. But when they brought him in, he's got, he's got a hundred. He scored some runs consistently, scored a lot. He's exceeded expectations. Um, but as you mentioned, yeah. it's, it's, it's nothing like, it's nothing extraordinary, right? From that batting lineup that you can expect You'll have a day where Kusal Mendes maybe plays a fantastic knock, gets 100, or someone like Kasalanka uh, goes berserk at the end, Shanaka capable of the same. But it's tough to... It's a steady batting lineup, like you said. But if, if you're coming, against, coming up against opposition like India, Pakistan, who've got really good bowling attacks, uh, and you're playing on tracks like what Sri Lanka saw at the beginning of this year in India, where, you know, 350 was like par, then that's where Sri Lanka are really going to struggle because consistently hitting those targets is just, it's unlikely with uh, this batting lineup. Uh, so they made 350, I think, was it against Oman in the qualifiers? Does that sound right? Or UAE? Um, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I... I I've got, I had it in front of me and I've just clicked away. But basically, I think in their last 70 ODIs, they have scored 350 on one occasion. Now, I'm not saying that 350 is par or anything like that. But if you look at other sides out there, they have the ability to occasionally score those sorts of totals, right? Which means that you can put pressure back. You know, you, you're not relying on your bowlers just dominating at that point. I think that's going to be Sri Lanka's big thing is that they probably, especially against a better team, I just don't think we can imagine, unless everyone fires on the one day, that they're going to score over 350 um, in this World Cup against the better teams. And so that there's, that, there's kind of like an automatic limit there. Now, having said that, it is worth talking about their bowling, because this is a lot better. Um, in, in the bowling, when you look at the World Cup teams, they have the second best average. Um, the fifth best economy, so they better at strike, uh, striking with the ball than they are, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, keeping scores low. I, I had them in my, in my list as ranked about the fourth best bowling attack. Now, I'm assuming at this stage that people are actually going to be fit um, and available to play. Obviously, you know, Hasaranga, uh, not 100% sure what, what's going to happen there. But, you know, Chimera, I suppose we're never sure with Chimera. Um, and in fact, all the Sri Lankan themers, I'm never quite sure. But I would say that we haven't talked about this enough, but this Sri Lankan bowling attack, especially for Indian conditions, is fantastically well suited. Yeah, I think if you look at if you look at that bowling lineup, even even the Asia Cup opener against Bangladesh a couple of days ago, you've got four basically four of your best bowlers missing, right? Hasaranga, Chamira, Lahiru Kumara, and Dilshan Madhushanka not in the side. But 
Matisha Patiran is just five games into his career and he produces a spell like he did. So the depth is also there. I think if you look at the backups, they aren't obviously they aren't as good as the likes of Chamira or Hasaranga, but there is quality there. So that's one big um one big plus for Sri Lanka and something they've depended on over the last couple of years. I mean, if you look at kind of the tournament that everyone spoke about as a turning point for Sri Lanka, it was that 2021 World Cup. And in that tournament, we saw how guys like Lahiru Kumara could dominate um, against particularly lower-ranked teams. So coming into this World Cup as well, Hasaranga is obviously going to be key. Tikshana, I think, flies under the radar, but is as important as Hasaranga in that bowling attack because his role is kind of different. But the the time, the the times he bowls, the tight overs that he delivers are really important for the other end, like you said, because Sri Lanka isn't that good as good at you know keeping the runs down. Chamira is gonna be a big. I I don't know how how you would pick him because you know you had him breaking down at the T Twenty World Cup last year. He had ankle mm. surgery, came back injured his pectoral muscle. Now he's out with a shoulder injury. So I mean it's 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 it doesn't look that promising for him to come back. And even if he is fit, he's not he's gonna come off no basically no uh you know match fitness since he hasn't played consistently since last year. Um so that's going to be a huge worry for Sri Lanka, I think, because he he just adds something extra to that bowling lineup. The fact that Dilshan Madhushanka has come through is, I think, massive because that left arm option is like if you look at the variety that Sri Lanka have, that's their main strength, right? They've got kind of an off spinner, mystery spinner, they've got the leg spinner, they've got fast bowlers who can hit that 150 mark. So that's going to be the key. But, like, I mean, at this point, you don't know who's going to be fit and who they're going to be able to pick from because even with Matisha Patirana, right? There's always that, always going to be that cloud of, you know, is he going to be completely fit just because of the way he bowls and he hasn't been in ODI cricket for long, like he hasn't played much ODI cricket. So whether 10 overs is something that he can do, all of those questions are always going to be there. Yeah. Well, I mean, so just because you mentioned so many bowlers there. So Chimera, and as I said, these are the numbers against the best. Uh, the World Cup team. Uh, he's got a bowling average of 25, right? And I, I think I understand what you're saying that they may not, that they may not trust his body, and no one's going to trust his body at this point. But that you, you're not going to be able to replicate those kinds of numbers, probably even with a backup as good as some of those other backups are. Um, Hasaranga, let's let's assume he's going to be fit uh, for for the World Cup. He's averaged 32.5. And the reason I wanted to mention that is because you said that Tikshana was kind of flown under the radar. And I think because Hasaranga has been so good, you know, and obviously gone on, he's a flashier bowler. Um, we talk more about him. But Tikshana has gone at an average of 24 runs um, while going at 4.5 runs and over. Like his record is just absolutely fantastic um, in one day cricket. And I would say that, you know, if you look at the, if you look at one-day cricket around the world, there is certainly, uh, uh, you know, finger spinners are struggling to take wickets in limited overs cricket at the moment. And Tikshana is 
perhaps, as you said, because he's more of a mystery spinner than just a traditional finger spinner. But he's not struggling to take wickets at all. I mean, he's got a ridiculously good record. And to know that you can bowl him in the power play, in the middle, and then probably even sneak a couple of overs through later on gives him incredible flexibility uh, with him. So his numbers completely hold up. Uh, and I, you know, we've seen him bowl in the IPL. You'd think he'd be even more suited to, you know, um, you know. I mean, he went to Australia in the last World Cup in the T20 World Cup. That is a bit of a challenge for him. But going to Indian conditions, we've already seen him bowl well there. Yeah, and like you said, that the the biggest value with him is that he can bowl anywhere, right? You're gonna, you're definitely gonna see him bowling in the last, in the first ten and the last ten, and he's a wicket taking option, which I think. From that 2019 to kind of 21, that's one of the areas, or 2015 to 21, that's one of the areas that Sri Lanka struggled with is picking up wickets in the middle overs, right? And now suddenly, they have not not just one option, but they have a couple of options who can do that. And that's going to be critical in those conditions. I think conditions are going to be massive because if it's going to be flat, and you know no assistance for bowlers at all Sri Lanka are going to struggle but if if there's just even just a little bit um, in some of those tracks I think the likes of uh, Thikshana and uh, Hasaranga are going to be really valuable At Kroger we know the minute a tomato is picked off the vine the fresh timer starts the sooner we get our produce to you the fresher it is that's why we've completely overhauled our process to shorten the time from harvest to home for our tomatoes, strawberries, and salads. Because we know how much you love fresh produce, we give you more time to enjoy your tasty fruits and veggies at home. So whether you're shopping in-store, picking up, or prefer delivery, we're committed to bringing you the freshest produce possible. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, Spotifyers, Click or tap the banner to listen to Rap Caviar, the freshest 50 hip-hop songs on the rawest playlist ever. Brought to you by our friends at Stars and the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. And uh, I mean, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because if it is a batting tournament, are there, uh, is there enough in this bowling attack? I mean, if you look at it, there's, there's leg spin, there's mystery spin. This mystery seam, I suppose you could say, um, in, in Apatharana's action. Um, there's pace and everything else. The, but the issue is that the, other, the opposition are, uh, are still going to score runs, right? So you, you think that they need some kind of assistance from the surface in order for Sri Lanka to have more, more, more of help. If this is a, a batting tournament, and most World Cups aren't batting tournaments, but if this is a batting tournament, you don't think that um, Sri Lanka can can keep up with the best teams? I think it's going to be really tough because like, I mean, if you look at 2019 as well, I think Sri Lanka exceeded expectations. They beat England out of nowhere, uh, beat West Indies, you know, came close against some of the other teams. And that was because the the conditions weren't as batting friendly as everyone expected. I mean, going into that tournament, everybody thought, okay, England's the top you know, limited oversight in the world. It's going to be 350 plus wickets, you know. And then suddenly it was raining and, you know, the pitches were a lot slower than people expected and teams like Sri Lanka got in the game. Um, similarly here, I think that's... Even if, no matter how good the bowling attack is, I think we saw that during Sri Lanka's tour of India as well earlier this year. It's just... 
the batting's not good enough to be chasing 320 350 consistently right so how often are the bowlers going to be able to keep some of the bigger teams down to you know below 300 that's going to be really tough i think yeah yeah no i get that i think i think it makes sense if they could take enough wickets then clearly that gives the batters a chance but it really it's not about the i know some of those economy rates i said there before were good it's not really about the economy rates because i think the best teams will still score it around a run of ball against them but if they can keep up their averages you know um you know if you're playing against you know south africa um india england you know those sorts of really consistent scoring teams um and you can take wickets against them i think you can keep yourself in the game a little bit more um uh, patharana you you talked about him he's I remember last year, my my biggest concern was that he was just going to be a death bowler and that he wasn't going to add all the different skills that he needed, um, especially because in, in T20 cricket, by just being a death bowler, if he just worked on death bowling for the next 10 years, he's going to get paid for the next 10 years and he doesn't have to worry about anything else. It feels to me that in, since that last IPL, which was probably the last time I watched him really, really closely, although I you know, I've seen little bits of him play um, since then, but that was the last time I watched him really, really closely. I'd say he's just added little bits to his game then. Uh, you know, he's obviously, he's got such a natural advantage with this round arm bowling action. But if you can't be good with the new ball, if you can't be handy with the, you know, with the ball in the middle overs and, and you know, when, when people are chipping it around and other things, you do become very one-dimensional. And one-day cricket, because the game's so long, you actually need probably slightly more rounded skill sets than you do in T20 cricket. Do you think in this World Cup, A, they're going to play him? He's going to be a frontline player. With every, let's, let's imagine everyone's fit. Do you think that he would be in the side automatically? And do you think that his, his other skills are now good enough that you can pick him? I think if everybody's fit, he's probably not going to play every game. There might be kind of a rotation. I don't know, because it looks like particularly Chamira being fit would mean he, he's dead set for that one spot. and then. Dilshan Madhusankar as the left armer is going to take up the other fast bowling spot. I don't think Sri Lanka will be looking at more than two quicks um, in that bowling lineup. So he's probably going to be third in line. But just watching him in the Asia Cup so far, the one game we've seen so far, I think he has got the skills now um, to really be a threat in ODI cricket. A lot of people, including myself, we were skeptical, you know, about how is he going to hold up in ODIs. It's a longer game. You've got to kind of. It's not. It's it's not one dimensional, right? I mean, not that T Twenty cricket is, but like you said, if he was bowling in the death and he's nailing Yorkers every delivery, that would be good enough, right? Exactly. Um, but just how he's, I think the way he's used is also really important because we saw in in the Asia Cup, um, he was brought on in the eleventh over, so no new ball for him, and. Again, coming back to Tikshana, that's the value he adds there, right? Sri Lanka can still play the two quicks and have one of them come on a little bit later because they've got that option of Tikshana with the new ball. I think he, uh, Patirana has the skills, but if everyone is fit, uh, he might he might be the third option. Now, what we've seen over the last couple of years is the fifth bowlers now, it's very hard to cheat your fifth bowler, especially in one-day cricket. I think it was a... You know, it's just funny. I've just been doing the history of um, ODI cricket, and you realise that early on, that was kind of what would happen. You'd bring on your fifth bowler, and West Indies um, 
specifically would wait for that fifth bowler to come on and then whack them everywhere and cause chaos with the opposition team. And then, then we had quite a few years where people wouldn't do that as much, right? And it was a little bit more, oh, well, they're bowling in the middle overs, we'll just knock them around for a couple of runs. We're certainly back in a period now where people are really attacking that fifth bowler. Is, you know, uh, DDS, Dan and Jay De Silva, the most uh, elegant, uh, you know, cricketer uh, in, in the men's game at the moment, is he a good enough bowler to bowl 10 overs a game in Asian conditions and specifically Indian conditions? Um, so he's bowling over the last couple of years. He's averaged 34 with the ball, which is actually pretty good with an economy of 4.4. Um, it's going to be, he's going to be under more pressure. How much of those numbers are good because he hasn't always had to be the fifth bowler. He could be the fifth slash sixth bowler at times. Um, and how much of those numbers are going to be tested by the best batting lineups in the world who won't just knock him around and they will, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a very good, he's like a high functioning part-timer, right? Rather than, than, you know, a, a frontline bowler, but he is, he's a very clever cricketer. Um, uh, so where do you think, is he good enough to play as that fifth bowler? Will they play him as a batter, as the sixth bowler, and use him when necessary? How do you think they'll work that out? Yeah, I think, like you mentioned, he's 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 a very smart cricketer and very smart bowler. I think it, it's it's his bowling skill that's kept him in the side, if I'm being honest, because there's no other way you fit him in at you know number five, number six, right? Um, so he's got the skills. I'm not sure if 10 overs is too much to ask from him because, like you said, it's not going to be a case where, uh, you know, they're going to play him down, knock him for a few singles, right? There are going to be batters who take him on and he's probably have to ha- going to have to contend with that, that there are going to be batters really attacking him, even if he does bowl in the middle over. So that's, I think... <sighs> Going by what we've seen from Sri Lanka cricket, they will pick him as the fifth bowler or fifth slash six. They'll expect Dasun Shanaka to put in a few overs. But in my opinion, they can do away with one of the batters and have Vanidu at number seven because he's shown that he has the ability to bat, right? You're playing him at number eight doesn't really make much of an impact. So you might as well make take that gamble, uh, push him one, one position up and then have he that averages, extra bowling option. Yeah, he's averaging 25 or 30 in one-day cricket over the last couple of years. Does that sound about right with him? I, I remember having a look at it. I, I, he didn't hadn't made a lot of runs, but I think that um, he has actually made ODI runs um, when he's had a chance, hasn't he? Yeah, I think when he's been pushed up the order, when he, he's had a couple of opportunities, I think at number four, number five, just as a floater, they've used him a couple of times. And he's had good runs He's made a lot of runs in domestic cricket as well. If you look at the recently concluded LPL, I know T20 cricket, different different format, but he obviously mm. has the ability to bat. It's just that when you're coming in at number eight, you know, is that the right time to utilize the type of batter he is? I, I, I think he's more of a, you know, classical option who you would want to be batting not lower than number six. So that, that, I think that's what they should do. But I I have a feel, just looking at how things have gone, yeah. I think Daranja De Silva will play as the fifth bowler. Yeah. No, I mean, I think though the fact that both of those players have utility. I mean, um, DDS is, I think his batting average is 30, the strike rate of 82. I actually think that the only way you could get the most out of him as a as a batter is probably batting him in the top order 
And I don't think you can do that in one day cricket. Uh, I think the bowling is too good at, at the top level of the World Cup. Um, you know, you really need to fit him in down the order. T20 might be slightly different where you can cheat it a little bit more. But but you look at Hasaranga, he, uh, with the bat in ODIs, where are we here? So in 2017, what, that's too far along. 2021, sorry, he averaged, he made 356 runs that year, averaging 27. Uh, 2022 only played five games, but it made 126 runs, averaging 40. Uh, this year he's made 160 runs um, uh, and has struggled just a little bit more um, in, in the games, averaging 17. But a lot of that is also, as you said, where he comes in the order. So, you know, when he's batted at number seven, though, can I throw this to you? When he's batted at number seven, what do you think his average is? Is it not good? <laughs> it's not good. It's 14, right? When he bats at number eight, he averages 31. So that could be a fluke, right? Because we don't know what situation. He hasn't batted that much for Sri Lanka in one day cricket to be 100% no if that's just a fluke or, or what the situation is. But I think the two of them, maybe because they can both bat and bowl, right? They, they should give Sri Lanka a possibility to when they want to go in with five bowlers and just attack with the ball, they can do that. And then when they want to be slightly more um, uh, circumspect and you know, stack the batting a little bit more and have Dan and Jaya bowl as, as the fifth ball. So, you know, there are certain, there are certain teams where that, you know, uh, perhaps New Zealand or um, South Africa who are more, more prone to knocking the ball around, right? Maybe those are the games when you you pick Danajaya as your fifth bowler, and then when you have to absolutely take as many wickets as possible um, against um, probably India and um, uh, maybe Australia and uh, England, that's when you pick the five bowlers. So the fact that they have both those two players there, I do think gives them great flexibility. But we also we, we I don't think we know what their best lineup is going to be, which is. The have uh, the biggest problem is in the last two years we've only had two Sri Lanka teams to look at one that didn't win any games and then one that has won a lot of games against poorer opposition so we don't know as much about how strong these particular teams are against the very best which means that there's a danger playing Sri Lanka coming into this tournament the Asia Cup might answer some of those questions but it's only going to be a couple of games of course um, but going ahead. Like they're a bit of, a, I, I almost think they're a very good spoiler team in that we don't know how good they are going to be. And no, you know, and you know, you and I have looked into this. The opposition aren't going to know that much either. Um, and we don't know how many wickets they will transfer over. But I think that in order for them to be a very good bowling team, I think that's, oh, well, sorry, to be a very good team in this World Cup, I think they're definitely going to have to average, you know, under, you know, uh, 28 with the ball. Right, which is which if that's the case, then I think that goes back to your Hasaranga point of probably gonna have to play as a bowler. You go in with five specialist bowlers and you know, you you hope that's enough you hope that your top order at least can score what, two seventy to two ninety consistently, and then that you're taking enough wickets to um, you know, keep keep the pressure on everyone else. Yeah, that's I think that's how Sri Lanka would hope that things go. Because if you look at even the other options in terms of the spin bowlers, you don't have that many. So if they're going to play five uh, specialist bowlers, it'll have to be a quick. Um, but they've got options on that side if everyone is fit. Um, yeah, it's 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 tough to call. They'll need a lot of runs, I think, at the top of the order. And strangely, I think Karnaratna is going to be a really key figure 
um, at the World Cup because just because he's he's been a lot more consistent than the other players. Like I mentioned before, Kusal Mendes has had a bad 2023. He hasn't got that many runs. But Kaunaratna came in, suddenly he's scoring. He's giving you that platform to go off from. Um, a lot of people in Sri Lanka don't like it. But that, I mean, he's unexpectedly done quite okay, right? So uh, he might end up being actually a really key figure for Sri Lanka at the World Cup. All right, I'm going to put this to you. I don't think they can win the World Cup because I just don't think they can make enough runs consistently to threaten the top five teams. I think the best case scenario for Sri Lanka is probably stealing their way into a semi-final position, right? And, and you never know, once you're in a semi-final, things can, can go your way. But I think their best case scenario is probably stealing their way into a semi-final position. I think the worst case scenario is that the, the best strike bowlers from around the world just go through that top order um, and they're not even in contention for a semi-final position. So most likely, I think there'll be a there'll be a time in this tournament, a bit like there was in the World Test Championship, where you go, oh, Sri Lanka's got a chance of making the, the finals here, and then it doesn't happen. So that's my best case, worst case, and most likely case um, uh, situation. How do you see it? Yeah, I agree completely, particularly looking at the format of the World Cup this year, when you've got to play the other nine teams and, you know, there's no hiding, you, there's no sneaking in, right? So, uh, best case scenario would be a semi-final finish. I think, hopefully the conditions are a little more favourable um, to the bowlers. That would give them the best chance. Yeah, no, I mean, that would be the interesting thing. I think if if the conditions are more favourable towards the bowlers, then I, I do really rate their bowling. Um, and if the conditions are more favorable to the bowlers, I'm less worried about the fact that their economy is not as good with the bowling, right? Because yeah. at that point, if if they have the opportunity to take regular wickets, um, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, there's something there. I just, I'd be shocked if it's going to be a bowling tournament, this particular one. It might be a more of a balanced tournament rather than a batting tournament, but I'd be shocked if it's a bowling tournament. But I do think if it's a bowling tournament, because they can strike with so many different options and, as we've talked about, if they have injuries, I think they can um, certainly replace them as well. But anyway, Estelle, again, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. This podcast has an ad-free version via Patreon, where there are many other extras as well, including a Discord channel. There's a link to those in the show notes. Please review, subscribe, and tell all your friends about our show. Word of mouth is the best way of making our podcast grow. If we had a guest on, chances are their socials are in the show notes. Please support everyone who comes on this show. I am Jared Kimber, and this is my network. But we also have hosts and co-hosts like Barat Sundaresan and Bayram Kazi. This network is overseen by Nick McCorriston. Each episode is produced by Ishit Kuberka at Sound Potion Studio. The team from 42 help us out with the video side. Orijoti Sainapayi and Maida Akam, both producing podcasts, while Mukunda Bandredi is the head of our YouTube content. Podcast Network. Some people take the straight path in life, but at Arizona State University, we respect your twists and turns. They make our online students more driven to excel in their professional lives. That's why our personalized suite of services empowers you with innovative resources and staff that sticks with you. Make your next turn with one of our 300 plus programs at ASU, number one in innovation for eight consecutive years. 
Visit us at asuonline.asu.edu to learn more.